Should we try that again? Or was it on the same time? It doesn't matter if it's the same. It's not for the timing. It's so they can line up the waveform. Okay, great. Don't yell I'm at me. I'm glad I can teach you so much about podcasting. Thank you. I appreciate it. Maybe I could teach you a, a few things. Like what? Men. <laughs> oh, yeah. If it's slippery, nail it down and poke it in a hole until it behaves. <laughs> Hi, Joey. Hello, Yellen. How are you, my love? I'm good. How are you? How are you feeling now that fall is here? Well, it's silly goose fall to you, and you know that. And it's not fall yet. Stop season pushing me. You know how much that annoys me. But we are about to go to London. But by the time this episode airs, we will have been in London. How was London? Did we have fun? We had a great time. We saw Next to Normal, uh-huh. starring our friend Casey Levy. And we tried butt stuff for the first time, you and me. We sure did. And we talked like this we said do you want to try butt stuff hi babe listen obviously i've loved you for a long time i've always wondered what your insides have looked like okay (laughs) hello everyone and welcome to i think not the podcast where we really take those lines and we cross them right also we use fake accents and sometimes we talk about true crime (laughs) i am your host ellen marsh and that is my former best friend, Joey Taranto. How dare you? You are my best friend for life. I was just texting someone today and someone said to me, I am so glad you have Joey. And I said, I am so glad he knows that there's no take backs to this friendship. I mean, it's you and me together forever. We are going to die next to each other at the old folks home, pranking each other and talking about butt stuff until we're 100. What, what the hell is this? The color purple? What did you say? Hell no. <laughs> what? That movie always makes me cry. Go ahead. Oh, every time. I I want to do a whole podcast on the color purple. So if you would like more of me and Joey's random ADHD takes, please join us on the Patreon. That is where we do all of our bonus content. You will get four bonus episodes a month. Three true crime TV shows. One episode of Love After Lockup, which turns out is our favorite TV show to ever be on TV. Oh, I don't know about that, but it is a crime. I think it does fall under true crime because that show is a crime against humanity. And we also have another tier that you can join that is ad-free. And you can also get our close friends circled. You can have a lot of fun. And we're just there making the content and more content to come. Should we get to the episode? I think so. (laughs) We are back. In our old stomping ground of disappeared, a little less Christopher, a lot of questions and a lot of unanswered questions in season 10, episode two, Disappearance in the Desert tells the story of the disappearance of Daniel Robinson. Daniel Robinson disappeared on June 23rd, 2021. Daniel's never been the person to go to work for a few hours and just leave. The red flags are going up for sure. When I got to that intersection, my heart sank. Daniel's tracks didn't make a left towards home. They made a right-hand turn out in the desert. His family is desperate for answers. I just knew my son was in trouble. If he's out there riding around in that heat out there in that desert, that's very dangerous. I know the desert is just a place where bad things happen. This episode of Disappeared retraces Daniel's last known steps. Yeah, we start off right away meeting Daniel's father, Papa David Robinson. Um, David Robinson, um, the father of Daniel Cornelius Robinson, who went missing on June the 23rd of 2021. I love that name, Cornelius. Mm-hmm. Bring back old names. Give me a Pearl. Give me a Ezra. You know what name I love? What? 
Goldie. Oh, that's a cute name. I love that name, Goldie. I want to bring that name back. And Cornelius is a good one. So we get a little backstory on Daniel Robinson. Daniel graduated from um, the College of Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina. He came out to Phoenix, Arizona, where he landed his job with Matrix New World as a field geologist. There's many jobs and a lot of people are smarter than us immediately is where my mind goes. So much smarter and so many jobs. But also, he's in Arizona. Now, you know, I want to live in a place where I open my phone and I get the message that my phone is overheating just when I walk out the door. Yeah. I want to order a new credit card every week because I left my credit card in the car and it's melted to my dashboard. I love that for you. And I want to live somewhere where, no, Well, remember when we were in Phoenix? I loved it. I kept sitting on the asphalt because it was so beautiful. Yeah. How lit was our Phoenix live show? Did you just say lit? Well, who are you? Oh, that's like Chugi. You guys, this show is lit. It was the bomb squiggity. It was litty kitty. (laughs) He's a special child. When my son was born, he was missing his right hand. Baby pictures of little Daniel, and I want to bite those little cheekies. My God. (gasps) Here's the thing Daniel had been born with only one hand, and he decided early on that was not going to keep him from anything. This boy learned how to play the trumpet, the French horn, even a little trombone. He played football. I can barely touch my toes. Everything he set his mind to, he basically accomplished. And Mama Melissa says, He was used to people saying, why were you born like that? And he'll just say, that's the way God made me. I love that. Yeah. Is that what you say when people ask you why you're an old buzzard? I don't know. They just made <laughs> me like You think that if somebody asked me why I'm an old buzzard, I'd be like, have you met my friend Ellen? <laughs> have you met her, what she has done to me? We're going to end up, you and me, sitting on the front porch somewhere in Jersey with two Coors Lights in our hand yelling at kids. Yeah, just really mulling over all of our past mistakes and the path that led us there. What compelled Daniel to become a geologist is climate change, and he wanted to make a difference. I wish more people were like that. Right? Climate change is real. In Arizona, they have to drill for water sources because it's so dry and, you know, hot out there. He tests the soil to see if the water would be drinkable, if it have parasites. So this takes us to June 23rd, 2021. And we're in Buckeye, Arizona. My name is Ken Elliott. I'm a pump technician for Weber Water Resources. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say there's so many jobs. I'm just going to say, what's the training for a pump technician? Well... What you do is... Yeah, tell me, tell me. Walk me through it. You take a bunch of pumps, Mm -hmm. and then you line them up in a row in front of you in the middle of the desert. And then... That is what a pump technician does. Does that clear things up for you? Actually, it really does. Great. (laughs) I'm so glad. Well, Ken explains that he was with Daniel that morning. We arrived at the job site at 9.30, and I walked over to Daniel's Jeep to introduce myself. It was raining fairly hard at that point. I had asked him whether or not he wanted to just hang tight and let this storm cell pass overhead before we started so we wouldn't get all of our paperwork wet. This is where things started to become odd. When I looked up, Daniel was staring off into the desert. He had a very, very distant look in his eyes. That's when he got in his Jeep and left. And he was like, is he coming back? Is it something I said? Yeah. Was it my version of pump up the jam? (laughs) 
was very confused. He might have been singing it in the wrong key. You know, he didn't know. But then 2.30 rolls around. No one had heard from Daniel, including Daniel's boss. I hopped in my work truck. The only tracks were Daniel's because the storms had washed all the dirt roads clear. When I got to that intersection, my heart sank because Daniel's tracks didn't make a left and head east towards the home. They made a right-hand turn and headed west, out in the desert. Okay, Magellan, I don't know which way is east and west. Was he going the right way or the wrong way? No, he was going the wrong way because he was headed deeper into the desert. So now Daniel's brother, David, is here, and he gets a call from his sister, Davisha, and she says, Like, hey, Daniel's missing. One of his friends from work came over to my apartment and let me know that they couldn't find him. And then Mama Melissa, of course, is freaking out and she's blowing up Daniel's cell phone. No answer. She left a bunch of messages and then she started texting him. I, I know. I, I, I couldn't with these text messages. I say, hey, son, where are you? You need to answer your phone. Every time I see the unanswered texts, I love you. Mama is worried. I was like, I can't. Mama, Melissa, you are. It is too early in the morning for these kind of emotions. I know. And it is very clear, y'all, from the very beginning of this episode that Daniel is so loved. Mm -hmm. He is so loved by his family. And they were not waiting. They're like, I don't know what the rules are in Arizona to declare someone missing. I don't care if it's 24 hours. This is not like our child. I remember exactly what I was doing on June the 23rd, 2021. I'm retired military. We called Dane's phone, his ring, um, and, and finally go to the voicemail um, until I guess it finally died and it goes straight to the voicemail. We didn't hear from him that whole entire day. And Papa David, they declared him missing that night. They called the Buckeye police and an officer drove down there just to see down by his work to see if maybe his car was on the highway, if there was car trouble or anything. And they didn't find him. So on the 24th, Papa David basically packed up his car and he drove on get to Arizona from South Carolina and that is a fucking long drive just full of worry and anxiety. Could you imagine 20 hours no. of uncertainty? He he literally drove on. He was like, I need to get there. Could you imagine just that worry, that anxiety? It would actually be exhausting because it would like sort of pump your body full of adrenaline yeah. from fear and worry, right? Yeah, he said, listen, I am a military man and I am making it my mission to find my son. I mean, we should all be so lucky. Well, he makes it a point to say that... Of course, your child is missing. It can put you in an emotional state. In the military, we learn how to put those emotions at bay. What does it feel like to not be emotional? What does it feel like to put your emotions aside, to be a, just a totally rational human being? You know, you and I are very adjusted with that. We're, we're doing yeah. great. He heads straight to the police station to ask questions, and the first one is, where was the last place he was seen? And it was the desert, right? So put a, paw, a pin in that, because we meet a local reporter named Nicole Grigg, and she says, I don't think people realize that here in Arizona, we're actually one of the top five states for missing persons. There's just so much desert that getting lost or being stranded in the desert, you're out there on your own. I was really confused why she was so excited about that information. She was like, listen, we don't have a lot of statistics here in Arizona, so we'll pretty much take any statistic I can get. You know, we did have the biggest knitting circle in 08, but then Georgia somehow came in and swept that under our noses and nabbed <laughs> that title. I was like, pump the brakes, Nicole. 
And she also says this desert is vast. Yes. There is a lot of desert in Arizona, and it's not just the heat, but also the rattlesnakes. They're territorial, they have dens, and they blend in with their native surroundings. You may not even see one until you're almost on top of it. Yeah, I don't fuck with a snake. Do you know what a group of rattlesnakes is called? Oh, Jesus. What? A rumba. Is it really? It really is. Listen, I don't want a rumba with no rattlesnake. I don't like a snake. I've never liked snakes. I don't understand people who keep pet snakes. You know, there's a story I heard a long time ago about a woman who slept with her python every night. She brought it to the vet because it hadn't eaten in like two weeks. And she's like, I'm so worried about my python. And they were like, you you sleep with this python? And Mm -hmm. she said, yeah. Why do you think it's not eating? And they're like, he's trying to store up enough room to eat you, ma'am. That is an old wives' tale, Joseph. But you, you know what? It's enough for me. Believe that. I don't know whose no. wife said it, but you no, know what? Whoever's is... wife it was, I believe them. In terms of rattlesnakes, there are 32 to 45 different species of rattlesnakes, and all of them live in Arizona. No. Every last one. No, thank you. I'm not lying. I was literally just talking to my friend Regina about how I want to retire in Phoenix, and Nicole is making me second guess all of those thoughts. Listen to me. The only kind of snake I want to look at is the one-eyed kind. Think about it. (laughs) I have it. Also, here's the other thing. People like to shoot guns out in the desert. We're talking rifles, assault rifles. There's the risk of cartels, drugs crossing, people smuggling people across the border. Cartels, people smuggling people on the border, canned guacamole. It sounds like a scary place in Arizona. (laughs) Canned guacamole. On June 25th, Daniel had been missing for two days at this point. Buckeye police did their first aerial search by helicopter looking for him. They searched this area all around his work site, and they weren't able to find any trace of him. Well, they put up flyers, and they offer a $10,000 reward. And then Nicole is actually really pissed that she lost her job with the Phoenix Tourism Board, Uh and now she's just acting out. Uh And she says, If someone does die out in the desert, bodies can decompose out there and be left to bones and fragments pretty quickly. Nicole's really locking in her bid for mayor. Nicole, what is going on? Nicole, do you need a hug? (laughs) She's like, basically, there are tons of unidentified people out there in Maricopa County. And I was like, number one, Nicole, I'm still mad at Maricopa County for my added anxiety during the 2020 election when Maricopa County and Nevada couldn't get their shit together. Okay. (laughs) In fact, I'm going to send my therapy overages straight to Nicole. So I'm going to ask Nicole to stop talking about Arizona now. Politely. I'm going to politely ask her. Do Wait a minute. Do do you hear that? What? What what is that? Oh, Nicole, (laughs) it's me, the Holy Ghost. I just came by to tell you that God the Father says... You're fucking weird, Nicole. Yeah. Okay, bye. (laughs) The first thing I want to do is get out there to that well site. That was the last spot that my son was supposed to have been seen at, but... Buckeye Police Department told me not to go into the desert, so I would take my binoculars close to the area where the well site would be at. Listen, Papa David is a down bitch. He goes out to where Daniel was working, and he hears this story about him staring out into the desert, and obviously everyone's like wondering, like, what was he feeling? What was he thinking? What's going on? Yeah, and so Daniel's siblings began digging deeper into what was happening in the days leading up to his disappearance. We were on social media trying to figure out what's been happening before Daniel went missing. 
He deleted all of his images off of Instagram. So I'm thinking, does it mean anything? I will say it is very jarring when people do that. You and I had a friend who did that and we were like, What's happening? It feels weird to say that. I remember you and I talking about that. And, you know, on one hand, it's social media, but it is such an integral part of our life that to see a friend of ours just wipe their social media, it's shocking. It's confusing when you see something like that. Yeah, I mean, if you've got pictures of your ex that you need to get rid of, we support that. But wiping your entire Instagram... A casual scrub is fine. Now, a day or two before Daniel went missing, he left his mother a voicemail. If you're free, um, you could call me back if you want, but in other words, I just want to let you know regardless, I love you, and um, yeah, we could talk later. Alright, bye. I didn't think about it at the time, but I didn't like what I heard. I didn't like him saying with Mama, no matter what, I love you. I heard it in his voice. His voice didn't sound right. And I beat myself up about why didn't I answer that phone that night. Mama Melissa, there's no way you could have known, and I get that. We all do that. What could I have done? How could I have changed this? And the truth is you couldn't have. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could hug her. She just seems like such a lovely, lovely woman. And then we meet one of Daniel's friends, a man by the name of Luke. And when he heard Daniel was missing, it was really surreal for Luke because he just saw him a couple days ago. I had visited Daniel on Thursday, June 17th. That weekend when I was with him, Everything seemed pretty normal as far as I was concerned. Daniel was kind of showing me around Phoenix. I had never really explored the city before, so he took me to a few of his favorite places. Daniel was a very friendly, social guy, and the last time that I saw Daniel, he did mention to me that he had met this girl. He didn't go too into detail with anything about it, but... I was excited for him. Now, brother David has a little more info on that. He says Daniel had a second job and that's where he met this woman. Right. And basically they were casually dating. Now, of course, they find this woman and she doesn't know where Daniel is, but she does share their last text exchange that they had. And those texts were a little bit concerning. We see the text that this woman sends and it says you need to back off. And Daniel replies, do you hate me? She says, I don't hate you, but you need to leave me alone. And Daniel's final text reads like this. The world can get better, but I'll have to take all the time I can or we can, whatever, to name it. I'll either see you again or never see you again. Very ominous, like the voicemail he left for his mother, but also like borders on dark. Yeah, but also the phrasing of it seemed incoherent. Yeah, maybe under the influence of something like it was a little word soupy. You know, the truth is, is that Daniel didn't have a lot of experience dating. Not like you. You've been busier than America trying to keep up with Trump's indictments. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) listen, it's summer. Give me the summer months to have a cocktail and get my titties out. (laughs) So now they're wondering, what is Daniel's mental state at this time? And Brother David says, Within the last month or so prior to him going missing, there's a big shift in his personality just because he's been so shut off and reserved. I didn't want to press him too hard to have him freeze up or to, you know, shut away from answering anything. But we tried to gauge and see where he was mentally, like if if he's doing okay. It's very hard to watch people you love suffer and also suffer in silence. When they Mm -hmm. don't want to talk about it, it's very hard to watch people you love 
struggle. Also remember COVID. Yeah. Everybody had their ups and downs. It was truly from one day to the next. All of our emotions were everywhere. People, myself included, we all hit record highs of depression and anxiety. He was in a new place. He didn't have success in dating. He was used to being around people. He was used to that warm hug of all of his friends. Going from the supportive environment of college where you have a structure, you have built-in friend groups, you have professors, that world and being drop kicked into the middle of real life is hard for a lot of people. Yeah, he was very isolated. I know my child was lonely. I, I know he wanted friends to talk to on a regular. He had no female companionship. All he had was his sister. And that's mainly was me and Daniel conversations prior to him leaving. It's just the frustration of life and COVID. You've been in the house for a whole year. I've been very honest about my issues during COVID. That first year, I definitely developed a drinking problem. People were just trying to do the best they could while cut off from the rest of the world. And my heart just breaks for Daniel. I personally blocked that time out. I don't want to remember that time. I was about to do my next Broadway show. There were so many things happening. And then all of a sudden, the rug got ripped out from all of us. So when she talked about that, my heart broke because I was like, yeah, Daniel, I remember that time. I think we all felt desperate. And and there are people who just really thrive on the energy of other people. And it seemed like since he didn't have a circle in Arizona, he didn't have a friend group in Arizona, that he wasn't doing well. It's been over a week. No signs of Daniel. Unfortunately, his family didn't have a key to get inside his apartment. Uh, police weren't able to get a warrant because they needed a proof of crime. So they actually went to the landlord to get inside to do a wellness check at this time. His apartment was an indication of where his mind may have been at the time. Honey, this was Tara Grinstead's apartment. Mama Melissa said, When I enter his apartment, I seen my son pain. I seen the stress. I seen the pain. I felt the sadness. There is a woman on TikTok that does free cleanings for apartment. Yeah. If I could give this woman a virtual hug, and these homes are really in not great shape. We're talking almost uninhabitable. Yeah. We're, ta- we're not talking, you know, you didn't fold your clothes. Every single video she stresses, you do not judge these people. These are people that are suffering. This is a symptom of mental illness. Yeah. I love that woman because she does these cleanings for free. And these are cleanings that like she needs to wear biohazard clothes for. Daniel's wasn't that bad, but this was not great. It yeah. was food, boxes, clothes, food in his bed. This was the the apartment of somebody who was struggling. Yeah, even Mama Melissa says, Just chaos and misery. I lived with him since he was born. Daniel's never been like an organized person, but this was beyond even him. Like it was dirty, it was bad. Daniel's never been the kind of person to live like that. You can just see that he was clearly going through something and he stopped caring about his living space. So now the conversation turns to, did Daniel die by suicide? And basically what the family says is that he was making plans. He had ambitions for his future. He was forward thinking. 
the days before he went missing. He was suggesting that he was going to find another job at some point, or he's going to move. He had plans to do something else, so I don't think he would have harmed himself. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but sometimes I remember that someone might be listening to this podcast for the first time. This might be the first episode that, you know, they tune into. If it is, hi, welcome. I'm gay. And I am a Muppet. But people with suicidal ideation aren't always going to show their pain and they're not always going to express their thoughts. And suicide is a complex issue and it is never the result of one thought. And we do hear this time and time again. And I empathize with this state of mind. I am outside of it. So it is much easier for me to say this. But there are so many intersecting factors that happen when somebody is dealing with suicidal ideation, medical history, health factors, current environmental factors. And I don't want to disrespect the family and I don't want to bring anyone down. But we do hear this time and time again in true crime. And this is something that as a society, we need to shift our brain a little bit, we need to accept and understand that that is actually not a good reason. Yeah. And no one wants to believe that their loved one died by suicide. My heart broke for them when they were talking about this, but I've said it a million times. People will surprise you with how well they can suffer in silence. And so this family is really struggling and a tip comes in on July 7th, 2021. It's two weeks now since Daniel has disappeared. A woman, I believe, from Phoenix, Arizona spotted someone who appeared to be my brother at a grocery store. Just something about him drew her to him. She went over to speak to the kid. He doesn't look like he's homeless. And she said that the kid said, oh, I'm just on a journey right now. Something I have to do. And she offered him granola bar, some water, just told him to be safe. And most people cannot turn down snacks. That is on my dating profile. When I have a dating profile up, I have that written. What kind of snacks do you offer? I just say I have snacks. Mm-hmm. It's literally on my dating profile. Uh-huh. What happens at your house at night is what I want to know. <laughs> what happens over there in that den of iniquity just diggy doing and legating in New Jersey? You have changed. I don't know you. I don't know this woman. You gave up your patchouli for cookies, for handing out cookies to young men. I'm so proud Listen, of you. Listen, I've always got a fruit snack. Milfs have snacks. <laughs> There's so much hate in this world. Let me live. Let me have a young cub if I want to have a cub at my house. You'll love this podcast. They jump from missing persons to Ellen being a cougar and handing out cookies to hot men. I why we haven't won any awards. I'm going to send a couple of strongly worded emails and question why we haven't won some awards. Pain, Lindsay. You do that. Oh, pain. We love you, pain. So a detective from the Buckeye County Police Department checks up on this tip. It was the detective uh, from Buckeye Police Department who was able to go there and check that out. But according to them, that wasn't Daniel. So it disappointed me tremendously. I just want my son back. Of course, the family is heartbroken because the possibility that their son is alive and maybe he's just on a journey. I mean, Mama mm-hmm. Melissa just continues to break my heart over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah. So now Daniel has been missing for 17 days. It's July 9th. And they team up with the Air Force to do another aerial search for Daniel. They started at eight o'clock in the morning and they kind of zigzag around the desert and they go out for about three hours. They went over all the area by where Daniel worked and nothing. They still have nothing to go on. Yeah, and so then they hit the three-week mark. 
Daniel's father. David, at this point, he had nothing to go on. So David created his own website, pleasehelpfinddanielrobinson.com, hoping he would start to get information on what happened to his son. Anytime somebody helps leads, I, I follow a lot of leads. I've been to Sedona, to Flagstaff, and uh, a couple other places. But I came back with um, a negative result. It wasn't Daniel. So Papa David enlisted the help of the community. He's like, fine, you can't do it. I'm going to pick up the slack. Papa David went to DBU and he majored in this is what we're going to do. And he minored in I'm taking control and I'm going to organize this fucking grid search. Everyone grab some ice water and let's go. We put out the information about the search to the public and people showed up. I'm really grateful you coming out here um, from the bottom of my heart to search for my son, Daniel. The terrain is really huge and large. I can't do it by myself. So I'm really grateful uh, for you all coming out. And we follow some of these volunteers as they search. And so many of them had kind words about why they were there. It was actually very moving because I've always said that one of the biggest epidemics in America is a lack of empathy. Mm -hmm. People don't care if it doesn't affect them. Mm -hmm. And putting yourself in someone else's shoes, even when it's hard to do that, is such a gift. Because what you're saying is, I see you. I see mm -hmm. you at your best, at your worst. I see your pain and I can understand it and I'm going to help you. These people didn't have to do this. They were in the desert. I thought it was remarkable. Now, during this search, they finally get a break in the case. The Buckeye Police Department called me and told me, hey, look, Mr. Robinson, uh, we found Dane's vehicle in a 20-foot ravine in the remote area of the desert. The Buckeye Police Department called and told me, hey, look, we didn't find Daniel. We just have his vehicle. My first thought is, they did hours worth of aerial searches. How the fuck did you not see his bright blue Jeep? The car looks awful. The airbags have been deployed. The windows are broken. The sunroof was kicked out. But no Daniel. Yeah, and inside the vehicle, they find... All of Daniel's personal items. His backpack, his cell phone, his keys. And then on the outside of the car, his clothes were scattered all around like he threw them off. And then his wallet was found inside his jeans with all of his credit cards. Is he naked in the middle of the desert in this heat? And then we learned that in the trunk there were two cases of water. You can only survive out there with extreme dry heat for very long without water. And this was three miles from where Daniel had last been seen on that job site. Three miles! Three miles away! How is this here? We have done grid searches. We've done community searches. We have done air searches. What's happening here? He could have made the walk back to the job site in an hour. Again, how did these aerial searches miss the Jeep? Was this Jeep placed here? And now a police officer has a theory that he relays to Papa David of what he believed happened. It felt like, you know, he escaped that uh, rollover without injury because they didn't see any blood in the vehicle. He kicked the glass out of the sunroof and got out. And you know what? I don't know how I feel about this because I'm like, I don't need your theory. I need evidence. Mm -hmm. I, I need the truth. And then he said something I have never in my life heard. But they also believe that he had a severe head injury. And once he got out of the vehicle, he shredded his clothes because the brain injury make you feel hot. And you feel hot and you shred your clothes. And he may have walked off to come to his injuries. 
That is a big theory, my friend. Have you ever heard of having a brain injury and you get really hot? No, but there are weird things like when you have hypothermia, like in the Elisa Lamb case, they thought when they found her without clothes on that your brain sends some kind of signal that you need to take your clothes off, that that will somehow make you warmer. And I was also confused that there was no blood and how he could have a brain injury. When you see this car, you would be very shocked that there was no blood either. So now Papa David decides to hire a private investigator named Jeff McGrath, and he specializes in accident reconstruction. David Robinson reached out to me a couple of days after they found the vehicle. He felt there was something that wasn't right with the vehicle and with the investigation. This man is amazing because we can tell that whatever hit this car had to be something substantial, something very solid in order to do this kind of damage to this car. But here's the thing. Like I said before, where the car was found, there was nothing that you could see that could possibly create that kind of damage. So Jeff looks into it. The police department had turned over the report of the airbag control module, some people call it the black box of the vehicle. When I started to analyze the crash data report, the vehicle was doing anywhere from 29 to just over 30 miles an hour, consistently all the way through up to airbag deployment. And that again takes me back to the terrain. I took my vehicle out there and I tried the same thing. I couldn't get it above 15 miles an hour. It was absolutely just insane doing it. It was too rough. To imagine Daniel's vehicle traveling that long Uh, at that speed in the area where it was recovered, it doesn't make sense. It's not physically possible. And here's the thing. They were able, this is fascinating. Fascinating. They were able to analyze the data in the car and they found out that after the airbags were deployed, the car drove another 11 miles. What the heck? It is amazing what people can figure out, yet we still don't know how Marjorie Taylor Greene has a job. (laughs) The unsolved mystery. So everything is completely out of control. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police. Brother David thinks that maybe Daniel wanted to get away for a moment and then abandoned his car somewhere in the Buckeye area. Someone or some people found his car and just took it. Once the news was released that Daniel's missing, this is his car, they might have dumped the car in attempts to like just absolve themselves and not be caught up in a, an investigation. Now listen, there's a lot of speculation of what could have happened on this mm-hmm. episode, and mm-hmm. I get that everybody wants answers, and honestly, a lot of it sounds like, oh, I could see that. But it's a lot of, oh, I could see that. There's no evidence. Yeah, and this as well, because this I hate it when they give us these sort of red herrings and then it goes nowhere. But I do want to share this because Mama Melissa makes this moment so beautiful. A skull was found. I'm going to cut to the chase. It was not Daniel's. But she mentions this sentiment, basically saying that, you know, just to define if they love one that way. My heart broke for someone, but at least Daniel helped bring someone home. So that makes me proud. Which is a very beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a small consolation, but that's so Daniel, right? Daniel was just a good guy, and he would be happy that some family got their closure. But let me tell you, Papa David was relentless. He was not going to stop searching for Daniel. It's brave and hard, but it is beautiful. Trying to get my spirits back up. It's kind of rough today. Like I say, my spirits are down. Um, mentally very hard today for me. Uh, very depressing, you know. Um, been a long time searching for my son, but I'm still pushing it. And I thank you guys for your support. God bless you. Thank you for everything you do. 
it always helps. So keep it going. So we're three months out. It's September 2021. And a very, very big case hits the news and hits social media. And that is the disappearance and the death of Gabby Petito. Missing for weeks. Now the family of the Northport woman who was last heard from in August while on a cross-country drive with a boyfriend wants answers. Now, obviously, everybody listening to this knows what happened with Gabby Petito. And one of the things that they point out on this episode, which is great doing an episode that's like so new and current, is that case was really able to highlight the disparity in missing persons cases between white women and specifically people of color. Yeah. And the great thing is, is that because people called that out over and over, it made people pay attention. And Daniel's story was able to get national attention. The attention paid to the Gabby Petito mystery is raising questions about others who disappear with little, if any, coverage. For instance, 24-year-old geologist Daniel Robinson vanished after work one day in Buckeye, Arizona. His father believes people of color who go missing are generally disregarded. Every situation should be handled the same way. Papa David and and Brother David were on CNN, MSNBC, Mm -hmm. talking about those disparities, but also talking about Daniel and getting his face out there and his story out there. Obviously, they're like, look, we, we get it. Yes, yes, there is a disparity. We just want answers for our family. We just want to find Daniel. And there was so much hope that getting national attention would produce a new lead or something, but nothing did. It didn't. What I was saying for the people at home, um, to keep sending your prayers and your thoughts to our family. This kind of thing is very difficult, very hard to go through. This is something that you see on TV and you think, oh my gosh, this would never happen to my family. We're, we're different. And you can't do anything really but just hope that we get closure. We hope that we can bring him home to us. So if you see something, say something. If you know something, pass it along. And that is kind of where the episode ends. Their family sort of pleading about the sadness around it. And I I do have some updates in the case that I want to talk about. But, you know, I do have to say, I know that the Gabby Petito case gets a lot of shit for getting as much national attention as it did. But I, I really have to hand it to her family. Gabby Petito's family has really turned that tragedy around. And the Gabby Petito Foundation does so much work for missing persons and for victims of domestic violence. And yesterday was the two year anniversary of that tragedy and Gabby Petito's family asked that in her honor that everyone take to their social media and post a missing persons flyer of someone in their town in their area so I think that's a really beautiful thing so in honor of Daniel and in honor of Gabby I would really love to implore you all to take to your social media and find a case that maybe you haven't heard about or that is maybe in your local conversations and post about it because there are people out there doing the work. And also, if you have any information on Daniel Robinson, please, please call the Buckeye Police tip line at 623-349-6411. 
what are your updates, Yellen? So using advanced data extraction, detectives were able to uncover the location of Daniel's phone, placing it at the crash site at about 10.05 a.m. And that's when the phone stopped receiving service. Now, if you remember, he drove away from Ken at about 9.30. So whatever happened there at that crash site, it was there at 10.05 a.m. And then it didn't ping out after 10:30. They also said that the Buckeye police investigated a sighting that was reported by someone who claimed to have a, a brief encounter with Daniel down at the river that day, the day he went missing, but digital evidence from the vehicle system and also this new information that they recovered electronically doesn't align with that information. They also said that they were able to extract data from Daniel's Google searches the week leading up to his disappearance. And a couple of the searches stuck out. Searches like love changed me, delete Instagram account, shooting Tempe, I'm okay to do things I hate. So that really kind of doesn't give us a lot, only kind of fuels and adds to his curious behavior. It just sounds like he was searching. So I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously he was literally searching, but it sounds like he was searching for something. To me, it sounds like peace. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that poor baby. I really hope this family gets answers. The fact that they were able to determine that his phone was with the car at 10.05 a.m. certainly yeah. puts some of these theories to rest. I don't like speculating about what could have happened. I don't know what could have happened. I no. just, I just. It's quite unbelievable that whatever did happen that they didn't find him. And so this family has done everything. They are still searching and still searching for answers. So we hope that whatever happens that they can have that kind of closure for their baby. Yeah. Say something funny. Well, we talked about old names. I think we should change your name, Ellen. Okay. I don't think you need Ellen anymore. Okay. I think we should just cut right to the chase and rename you your old diggy do a legating. Okay. At least through Silly Goosefall. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, where is he? Poor baby. Where is he? But thank you, down bitches. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting us. We are going to give you four episodes of Disappeared, and we are going to cover the rest of season 10 over on our Patreon. You can join us over there by going to patreon.com slash I think not. There's about a billion episodes over there and the rest of everything that we're doing here on the main feed. How else can they get in touch with us, Joey? Well, you can follow us on all socials at I think not pod. You can find Ellen on Instagram at Ellen Marsh with a Y and you can find me on Instagram at It's Joey Taranto. Also, we have our Facebook group where we talk about our cases, we show cute pictures of our kittens and we talk a little shit. That is called the I Think Not Podcast Facebook Discussion Group and if you're feeling fancy, go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Tell Ellen how much you're excited for her new name. Yeah, give us a five-star review and if you have anything less than five-star, go over and give Payne Lindsay a review. How about that? <laughs> anyway, other than that, please be good to each other and please post something in honor of Daniel and Gabby and everybody out there looking for their missing families because why else are we here doing the thing? You know what I mean? But I love you, Joey. I love you too, Yellow Marsh, and I love you, DBs. We love you down, bitches. Bye. 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 Oh, diggy doing. 
we're gonna have some fun new surprises for you. Who knows? We'll send you our nudes, maybe? I don't know. Babe, I think that ship has sailed. What did you get from Joey and Ellen, the podcasters? They're nudes. They're nudes. That's so weird. Look like a pile of mashed potatoes. I am not a pumpkin spice basic bitch. Oh, I just I have such a biting problem. I just want to bite his little cheekies. I didn't see his toes, but I would have bitten his toes too. And now we know why you're single. We are back with disappeared. What is our theme song? I still don't know it. <laughs> 